Hello and welcome to season three of the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. This is Melissa Zimmerman and I am so happy that you joined me. Hey, can I just give you a big shout out for surviving 2020? I don't know about you, but I have great expectations for what's going to happen in 2021. And you know what? For this podcast, great things are already happening. So I'm super excited about the friends I'm going to introduce to you this year. And I can't wait for you to meet them. So let's get started right now. So thanks for joining me today. Today my guest is Simi John. Simi is a physical therapist. She's a mother. She's an author. And she and her husband, um, or her husband is the lead pastor at New Life Bible Church. Yeah. And uh, so it's such a wonderful time to have you with me today. We just want to talk about all the things, right? We want to yes. talk about your book. All of it. All the things. But it, I like for people to be able to get to know my guest. And so I want to do a little fun this or that question. Uh-oh. Are you ready? Just <laughs> really fast in and out. So um, this or that. Airbnb or hotel? Hotel. Only because of room service. <laughs> Airplanes or boats? Airplanes. Beach or pool? Beach. Staying in or going out? Staying in. Ah. I'm an extrovert, like max, but I'm also like stay in the bed and you know, just warm up and cuddle under the blanket. I don't know. Okay. How about one last one? Let's do tea or coffee. Oh, coffee. All the way. I'm an addict. (laughs) But I will tell you, recently I have been, like, obsessed with drinking masala chai, which is, like, Indian tea. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I think I'm turning into my mom slowly. (laughs) But it's just been this year. 2020 is just doing that to me. So, I don't know. Well, 2020 is is interesting. Now, we probably won't air this podcast until 2021. So, that'll tell all of our listeners we recorded it early. But that's totally cool because, listen, 2020 happened to everyone. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you just said I'm turning into my mom. I have a little magnet on my refrigerator that says mirror, mirror on the wall. I am my mother after all. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally get where you're coming yes. from. So tell us a little bit about you. You were born in India. That's right. So I was born in Kerala, India, which is a southern state. And so if you know church history, Thomas, one of the disciples, Doubting Thomas, Uh came to Kerala, India, and he shared the gospel. And at that time, people converted. And as they converted, he would partner with them and build churches and then move on to another village. So one of the people that he partnered with is my dad's great, 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 great grandfather. So because of that, I grew up with this very super rich Christian heritage, but eventually became like a very religious spirit and we lost the spiritual aspect of it. And so I wouldn't say that I was totally, you know, like this immersed Jesus following Christian until I was about 13 when we got saved. Our our whole family started going to a Bible believing church. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you left India, Mm -hmm. your family moved to Texas. That's right. Dallas. (laughs) <laughs> we we won't hold that against you at least you had the good sense to move north that's right that's right my husband would be proud he's like born and raised in yukon and will never leave oklahoma <laughs> and he married a girl from texas that's right that's super fun how did you guys meet so we met at youth camp. We were both camp counselors at a predominantly Indian uh, youth camp that was for high schoolers and college students. And so we met in Waxahachie, Texas, tiny little town. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, did you ever dream that you would grow up and marry a pastor? You know, it's crazy. When I was about 18, God impressed on my heart that I was going to be in ministry, that I was going to marry a pastor. I didn't know it was going to be a pastor of a church. I didn't know if it was going to be a mission field type of thing, but I knew in my heart that it was going to be someone in ministry. That's awesome. It was crazy. Was it? Yeah, because when I met him, he was at OU, and he was he wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon, and so he was doing his bachelor's in microbiology, and I was praying, and I was like, you know, in my heart, I just knew God was like, this is the guy, this is the guy, and I was like, but he doesn't want to be a pastor. Like, that's not his thing, and one time... He went to a church, and the campus pastor there noticed how he would come every Saturday and bring more people, and was like, dude, let's get coffee. He was a college student, so he was like, yeah, man, free coffee. Had coffee with him, and he was like, man, I feel like there's a calling, you know, in ministry in your life. And my husband, Jason, was just like, yeah, you know, later in life, after I have money and do everything that I want to do, I'll have something on the side. And he was just like, well, I have this children's pastor position open. And my husband was about around 20 at that time. So he was like, I have no clue anything about kids. And he was like, well, think of it like a summer job. If you like it, keep it. If you don't, then quit, right? And so he took it and he loved it. He fell in love with church, ministering to people. We like never had a fight in our first fight over the phone because we were in a long distance relationship was me telling him he likes the church more than me because, I mean, he was madly deeply in love with serving people and just he was in love with the church and so that's when he knew that's that's where God was calling him to and he stepped into full-time ministry that's really awesome so you brought up a really interesting topic there and you said he loved me more than he he loved the church more than he loved me now I'm hoping you guys are married and that's flipped right (laughs) yes he he has he came to his senses (laughs) (laughs) so Yeah, talk a little bit about what that, because I think in ministry, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that happens is those priorities sometimes get mm-hmm. get adjusted in the wrong order. And yeah. I'm a big believer in it's God, your spouse, your family, then your church. Yeah. And uh, so talk a little bit about what that's like for you guys. Absolutely. I think if you want to have a healthy ministry, you have to start at home between the person you made the promise with. I always say, you know, you don't make a promise, a covenant, a vow to the church. You do with the other person that got placed in your life to be your life partner. And so that is what God is going to hold you accountable to. And so for me, as a pastor's wife, I truly believe it's a package deal, right? It's There's no separate. I work as a full-time physical therapist, but I am a minister at the church just as much, right? Like, I'm always there. I'm thinking about the church people, praying for the church people, and ministering and serving Jason in whatever areas he needs to. Um, and that means that I submit to his leadership because he's my pastor, too. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, I get to be the voice that gets to speak into his life to encourage him, to support him. And his pr- first priority in that, too, is to me to make sure that I have a healthy relationship with Jesus and that I have a healthy relationship with him. And so I think for us, we have to have those conversations when we feel like when we're not prioritizing our marriage, which is very easy in any marriage, right? For, for us sure. to kind of just grow stagnant and drift and that's the scariest place to be when something horrible happens and there is like man this is messed up and broken it's easy to see that something needs to be fixed but when you're just drifting that's a scary place because often we don't notice that we're drifting apart 
until it's too late. And then we're just partners, you know, sharing a bed, sharing a house, sharing a mortgage, and not really living into the covenant and the abundant life God has for us in marriage. That's, listen, that's just some deep stuff right there. That is, that is super powerful. So having said that, what are some of the ways that you prevent the drift? I think, you know, we talk about dating each other and I think that's so important and right now we're in 2020 and that's very hard to do because we do virtual learning so our kids are always with us <laughs> and uh, we don't get to go out as much because everything's closed down right and so it makes it really hard and so what we have to be intentional about is stealing those moments away with each other whether it's a show that we enjoy together and we grab a you know a bag of popcorn and we're sitting there watching a movie together and we're saying hey kids you guys need to go do your thing right now uh, and I make it intentional to do that I tell my kids hey dad's my best friend I need to spend time with him and I, sometimes it makes me feel like a bad mom when I push my kids away but I know this is a covenant this is the promise I made to this man that I would be his best friend that I would be his support and I don't need to feel bad about that and so it looks different in every season before kids, it was easy, right? You can go anywhere you want. You had all the freedom all the time. And then when you're retired, your kids are grown and moved out. Same thing, right? But in that phase, when you have young kids, you just have to steal away moments and intentionally make them meaningful. And I think that having those intentional times with your with your husband is probably one of the most uh, security building things that we do for our children. Now I'm an empty nester. And so I've, I've kind of walked through some of those stages. And, um, and so I think it's important that wives, especially young wives with uh, couples with young children and even teenage children have their children know, listen, um, at some point you guys are going to go on about your life and we want you to, we want to prepare you so that you be successful when you do that. And so part of the way that we do that is by saying, no, we prioritize our marriage above the children. Uh, otherwise, you get kid CEOs, and nobody wants kid CEOs. Right. And we're modeling healthy marriage for them. Right? Absolutely. Because then they're not going to know what to do in their marriage. They're yeah. going to prioritize their kids, their activities, instead of their marriages. Yeah, and I see, you're probably like me, I see that happen all the time, where um, husbands are left out or wives are left out and kids are running the show. And I think that that's a really dangerous place uh, for people to live. I want to kind of segue into your book. It is, um, I've, been, I've read your book. It's really, really awesome. Um, I love, and it's titled, I Am Not. Talk a little bit about I Am Not. So when I wrote the book, my son was three. He's four now. Um, so we, this is the phrase that he would say more often than anything else. I am not. And so my little book trailer, I say, there's no one more confident than a three-year-old because no matter what you tell them, it's almost like they know what they want, right? So I'm like, hey, Gideon, you are too young. You cannot do that. He's like, I am not. You're too little. You can't go there. I am not, you know? And I feel like as we grow up, this world begins to tell us different things and we slowly begin to quiet that spirit of confidence and we begin to accept those lies and those narratives that culture repeatedly tells us which are stereotypes and we live into that narrative instead of saying no I am not and so the way that you pre the way that you present the concept of that is through the women in the Bible yeah and um, and so do you have a favorite woman in the Bible 
I think if I had to pick one, it would be Eve because uh, anytime I preach, anytime I study the Word of God, I always go back to the garden. And I feel like there's so much depth, there's so much we can learn just from that moment. And a lot of times as women, you know, we blame everything on her. And to be Eve and to think, I broke everything and that's what I write about Eve is naive and I think it's something we as women live with this stereotype that we're just not smart because we're emotional and we think with our uh, heart instead of logic and we think with our emotions and we fall into deception so easily and I can relate to that that moment of weakness and being taken advantage of uh, and not being able to say no and being Eve is something that I can absolutely say I've been there well and I think I love the story of Eve because it's really all about identity. Yes. You know, that Satan is always after our identity. Mm-hmm. If we don't know who we are, he runs the show. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, that was what he was after with Adam and Eve. He was after their identity. Mm-hmm. And he was after, I mean, if you look at Jesus, when he came out of, when he'd been in the wilderness for 40 days, and the first thing Satan says to him, if you really are right. the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And so I think your book really addresses some of the false identities that women live under. So can you talk about a couple of more of those? Yeah, so... Some of my favorite ones, and I, I write about eight different stereotypes because I tell people because I struggle with all eight of them, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I, I think the most common one and probably uh, the one that I am most vulnerable to falling prey to is comparison. Women are always comparing uh, ourselves to each other. I think that definitely is something that a lot of women can relate to in no matter what season of life you're in. Um, The other one is women are always hurried and overwhelmed. We have this picture of moms in society that we're all hot messes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and we take pride in that now. Like there's so many memes, like moms are hot messes, always having to rely on caffeine because their house is a mess, their kids are a mess, their hair is a mess. And I don't think that is the picture Jesus has for moms. For sure. You know, and I think that scares the younger generation from wanting to be moms, wanting to have marriages because they're like, why would I want to be a hot mess? Yeah. And so we just, we, we create these stereotypes Mm -hmm. in society. I mean, self-help. Like, exactly. I can't help myself. If I could help myself, I would have already helped myself. You know, <laughs> right. like I need Jesus. Yep. I need Jesus <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. Yep. Uh, and I think some of those stereotypes like that, you know, like moms can't function without their coffee. Well, I think there's a little bit of truth, but I don't think you have to be a mom to feel that way, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a really, I love how you paint the pictures using the different, just the different women mm-hmm. that are in the Bible. And I did that intentionally because I wanted to pick women who are mentioned by name. Because I think a lot of times when we think a woman in the Bible, we think of like, you know, the heroes of scripture. We think of Mary, mm-hmm. right? And we think of like Rahab. And we think of people who experience victory, but we don't think of people who failed. Right. But Jesus, but God, in his wisdom and grace, mentioned these women by name in scripture to remind us, hey, just because they failed doesn't mean that I don't see them, that I don't know them. And so I intentionally wanted to pick women that are mentioned by name because I wanted women to know, even if you lived into these narratives, God knows your name. He does. He sees you. That's right. He totally sees you wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. He totally sees you. And that's such a brilliant point to make in your book. And I think all women struggle feeling insignificant. All women struggle feeling marginalized at some point in time. Even in, as women in ministry, um, you know, sometimes I grew, I was called to the ministry when I was 15 and um, 
in a Southern Baptist church. And I used to always laugh and tell everybody, you know exactly what that meant? Nothing, not a thing. <laughs> it didn't mean anything, right? right. And, and we have overcome some of those uh, ceilings that had been placed in our lives before, but it's still, it's still very much a male-dominated world that right. we live in mm-hmm. and that we operate in, especially as women in ministry. Have you bumped into any of that in the time that you've been in? Because you preach and mm-hmm. teach and... Uh, do all kind, do all the things. Yeah. And so have you bumped into that as a problem? Oh, absolutely. I think that was one of the biggest lies that I believed since I was a little girl called into ministry to now in my 30s that I struggle with. Um, when I was growing up, I went, I'm from India, so the Indian culture already sees women as, you know, second-class citizens. They There is a ceiling. There is certain things women can do, and there are certain things women can never do. Uh, and so growing up, I just didn't like it. I settled into it. Um, then when I became a Christian and I started going to a Bible-believing church and I felt this call of God in my life because I saw my dad, who was an alcoholic, who was abusive towards my mom, completely transform into this amazing husband and amazing dad and become an evangelist who would travel the world and was set free of addiction in front of my eyes, I knew this Jesus thing was real. Yeah. And I, I love the local church because it was because of the prayers of the local church that my dad became the man he is today. And so, man, I loved church. I loved the word. I couldn't get enough of it. I was a kid that went to every meeting, took notes. I had a gigantic binder that I carried <laughs> around like a nerd. I came I came running home to watch Christian television, take more notes. I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. And God began to speak to me through scriptures. I would read it. And I thought it was normal, but slowly I began to understand that it was a gift. That was God. God was giving me the spirit of wisdom and discernment to understand scripture. And I wanted to share it. And when I went to my church leaders and I said, hey, I want to share, they immediately said, but you're a girl. You can't do that. And I remember hating my gender and hating who I was and hating my culture and thinking, why would you call me God and give me a passion and a gifting for something I could never live out? And until I was in college when God revealed through scripture to me personally that no, 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 that's man-made culture-based thinking that is not scriptural truth because he began to reveal to me how God loves and chooses women over and over again in scripture. And so I slowly began to walk in freedom and use my gifts to the abilities and opportunities God had given me. But even now, I will say, like before I begin to, you know, pray and prepare and get ready to preach at my church on a Sunday morning in a mixed crowd, I begin to hear those voices come up again saying, you're a girl. They don't care what you have to say. Your voice doesn't matter. Wow. And I literally will have to take my phone sometimes and text my friends and say, I need you to pray for me because this lie is getting me down right now. And I remember I was getting ready to preach at my church and it was the first time I didn't feel that lie overwhelm me before I stood on stage. And as I was, you know, standing on stage, my husband introduced, you know, me and said, Simi's going to speak today. And there was this new family that I had shook hands with because they were sitting next to me. I hadn't recognized them, so I knew they were new. And so I'm standing next to my husband. He's praying for me. I open my eyes only to see that couple walk right out. And in that moment, that lie began to come into my mind again. Saying, see, your voice doesn't matter. 
what you have to say is not important because you are a girl. And it was so sad in that moment for me to feel that way. But God had to do that for me to see that it doesn't matter who walks out because God is in the room. Come on he now. has given me a voice and he has given me a gift and I'm going to use it. If God can use a donkey, if God can use a little boy, then God is going to use me in this place today. That is Excuse me while I just grab out my pom-poms and she grabs out the Kleenex because <laughs> the anointing is in this place, in this mm-hmm. moment. And and I love that. You know, I think as a woman, we need more women like us who will stand on the sidelines and say, no, you go. Yeah. You you have a voice. And, and maybe your voice is for three people in the room and the other 5,000 can walk out, but those three matter. Yes. And, and I think that that's so, so important. I want to ask you a question, and you can tell me if this is not a topic you want to talk about because I'm just going to spring this on you. Right now I'm seeing a lot of culture where a lot of people are coming against the local church. Mm-hmm. And you said that it was the local church mm-hmm. that prayed for your dad and stood and believed for your dad. And I think we live in a society where I see a lot of a lot of criticism of the local church, a lot of criticism of the, of the you know, the capital C church. Um, what are your thoughts about that? You know, I think the church is always going to be imperfect. We're always going to be flawed because we are human. Um, it's messed up because we are there, right? right? Because we are there and we are flawed and imperfect. But you cannot love Jesus and not love the local church. You cannot love Jesus and not love the the church, capital right. C church, because Jesus died for the church and he's coming back for the church. And so if you are not with the church, then Jesus is saying, and you don't get it. Right. You don't get it. You completely miss the point. Uh, we are anointed and we are separated as a holy priesthood and brought together not just we're not just saved but we are brought together into a family into a community that's how much Jesus loves us he didn't just say hey I'm gonna save you I'm gonna blot out your sins I'm gonna make you new no he said I love you and I'm not gonna just do that I'm gonna place you with people who are gonna help you look more like me every single day absolutely and if you don't see that then you missed it Right. I think, and I think we all have to recognize we're a unique part of the body of Christ that nobody else is. So nobody can take our place and we can't take somebody else's place because we're their unique body. Mm -hmm. But we do, the Bible, we do have a responsibility. uh, We have a responsibility to be our part and to be in that collective body of Christ in the local church. Mm -hmm. We also have, um, you know, it's just a, we bring something to the table that everybody in the church needs, but they bring something to the table that we need. Yeah. And when you when you miss the beauty of the local church, mm-hmm. flawed as it may be, mm-hmm. messed up and jacked up as it is, yeah. you know, and you're right because we're all there. Yeah. Like right, yeah. all of our all of our mess comes with us when we come. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I love what you said that if you miss the local church, you miss the body of Christ, you miss the whole message. Yeah. That is that is so good, and I'm so grateful that you brought that out because I think that that speaks really well to that. It's something that God's really put in my heart lately is is really the concept of loving the local church yeah. and loving the body. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I love how you said earlier that sometimes God calls you to big 
places and big platforms and sometimes it's just the three people mm -hmm. and I think a lot of us are waiting for the big moments and the big platforms and God is saying no 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 right where I place you there is a need and you need to act in that right now whether that is your local church of 200 people or 2,000 people you need to learn to be faithful and serve your pastors serve the body of Christ faithfully because I think a lot of times we just look at these celebrity preachers and we tweet them we retweet you know all their stuff and we forget the pastors who are serving our families who are pouring in and praying over our families our children and so I think it's important for us to not get caught up in the big things but also remember the small things that our pastors have done in the local body and appreciate them and praise them and know that they that is the biggest impact you're going to have on your life wow that is so much right there there i mean we could we could unpack that and talk for four more episodes on the podcast just to talk about that because i think it's so powerful and it's so timely right now um so as you guys can see the or hear the listener of our podcast simi has so much great to offer uh and she is a speaker she's you know, you need to get her book. You got to go, 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 go buy her book. Every woman on the planet needs to read her book. And uh, and so you can connect through her from her website at simijohn.tv. And we'll put all of the information for how to connect you to invite you to. Maybe they want to invite you to speak at their, uh, at their church or at their uh, event or whatever that looks like. You can do that through her website. And I'll put all that in the show notes. I just want to end with uh, something, just some fun things, right? We call yes. them, I call them rapid fire questions. You don't have time to think about them you didn't get them in advance nope. <laughs> so, so they're always fun and always exciting um so we talked a little bit about being married what's a perfect date night for you oh i think it would be dessert and coffee outside uh anywhere in a park or something okay um <clears throat> in the movie of you who would play the role of you you know, I don't know the lady who played Jasmine, but it would probably be her or Mindy Kaling <laughs> because she's hilarious. All right. Hey, you like to cook. What is one of the kitchen gadgets you can't live without? Uh, a can opener because unfortunately I use a lot of cans. <laughs> <laughs> I love black beans. That's awesome. That's <laughs> that is so much fun. Who's um, Right now, in this time, who's teaching you the most about Jesus? I would, I would honestly have to say right now, I have intentionally been trying to get in the word myself. So I would have to say the Holy Spirit. I know that's a super spiritual answer, but I have intentionally been trying to do that um, and trying to go back to the basics of learning to hear the voice of God for myself instead of just listening to others. Okay. That's, yeah, that was not exactly where we were going. But... <laughs> I'm such a pastor's wife. You are such a pastor's <laughs> wife. Um, what is a secret talent that you have? Ooh, secret talent. I don't know. I can't, I can't do accents. There's a lot of things I cannot do. I don't know if I have any secret talents, honestly. <laughs> My husband will probably know, but I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's super great. Um, aside from the Bible, mm -hmm. what is the best book you've ever read? The Bible in your own. Mm -hmm. Um. So You Want to Be Like Christ by Chuck Swindoll. 
is one of my favorite books. It's one that I read like a long time ago. Um, there's one more I can think of by John Ortberg. I cannot think of the title of it, but so you want to be like Christ was like amazing. I even bought it for my husband. Do you have a life verse? I love Psalm 23, the whole thing. It's pretty short, but it's one that gives me so much peace no matter what day. Good days, bad days, it doesn't matter. Knowing that he's with me in the valleys and his goodness is following after me it gives me so much peace. I love that. And I always end with this question. If you could say one thing and one thing only to make Jesus famous, what would you say? Look at him. Look at him. I love that. The Bible says that we fix our eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. I love that so much. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Listen, the anointing came when she op- when she walked in the door. I'm kind of <laughs> concerned it might leave when she walks out, but uh, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to hang out with me anyway. Um, but just thank you for joining me. Thank you, Simi, for sharing your amazing wisdom. Again, we'll put all of the contact information in the show notes so you can connect with her. Go to her website, buy her book. Buy, buy, buy her book. It's a must-have in your in your Christian library. So um, until we meet again, remember, he doesn't waste a thing. <laughs>